Welcome to Films on Trial. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, it's The Machinist. I'm Gav. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. And I'm Austin. It feels like this should be an Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, as, as Dave alluded to there, there's no Alex this week, although we can't guarantee that we won't be doing impressions of Alex throughout the episode. <laughs> ah, similarly to uh, The Machinist, how do you wake up from a nightmare if you're not asleep? Sorry, I should have read that beforehand. That just didn't make any sense at all. I'm sorry. I should have said, uh, similarly to The Machinist, we are a nightmare from which you will never wake up. <laughs> anyway, if you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. But there'll also be a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans, including some terrible xylophone and playing a bad impression or two, a nice quiz, a caption contest, and lots of banter. So please do stick around. Before we get started, though, I will say that this is going to be a very spoilerific episode. So if you've never seen The Machinist before, firstly, where have you been? And secondly, maybe if you just fast forward to the quiz or maybe come back to it at a later date, whatever suits you. But before we kick things off, I think we're going to talk about last week's film on trial, which was... I've forgotten. Hacksaw Ridge. Ridge. (laughs) So memorable that I've actually forgotten it. So I was the judge last week and I've since watched the film. So I've got to decide whether or not I made the right call in placing it on the hit list. Now, if it was just up to me, I probably would have placed it on the shit list, to be honest. I, I, I did find the first hour quite slow and arduous. And then I found the second hour and 40 minutes quite punishing uh, to all of my senses. Um, I don't think that Gibson had the tact needed to make the film, but... That's never been said about Gibson before, has it? Tactless. <laughs> Tactful is the one yeah. thing you can attribute to him. <laughs> but, but that's just my opinion. What I do, I, I do actually stand by my decision because I do think that Joel made a very good um, argument there and I can see all of the points that, that he mentioned while I was watching it I was saying although I don't like it and although I don't agree with some of the things that uh, is uh, being displayed here I can I can see Joel's perspective so I stand by the decision so you'll be happy to hear that Joel yeah fuck Alex <laughs> <laughs> anyway before we get started to putting the machinist on trial it's time for a little bit of news hang on I don't know what that is. I don't know. The music from the machinist. <laughs> Dave, you're defending this nah. man. You're supposed to say that that music's very memorable. It just, it just seeps into your subconscious, okay? It doesn't have to be. <laughs> okay, so what we do here is we go around in a circle and we talk about the most newsworthy topics of the week. So without further hesitation, Austin, I believe you're chomping at the bit to get your piece of news off. Oh yeah, I can't wait. It's nice to have some news that I've, uh, I've actually researched once, so it's all right. <laughs> that isn't related yeah, that to isn't the, rock. the rock. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Patrick Stewart, so another bald guy, um, <laughs> is in my oh, news today. Perfect segue. So, uh, <laughs> they do say that yeah. Patrick Stewart is the rock of Star Trek. <laughs> the rock, the of, rock of Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's, uh, well, he said he's going to be coming back for a new Star Trek series, which I think is quite exciting. After he, you know, I think everyone thought that that was him done and uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard would be, you know, you'd no longer be exploring space. But this is like a continuation so it's not a reboot it's just a continuation of picard's life which i think is kind of interesting i don't think that's been done before where you come back and revisit a character way way after 
his time and I think they did something similar in one of the Star Trek films where they had a load of the oh. original cast. Oh, Generations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure Shatner came back for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But to be honest, there's been no details revealed about the series. So we don't actually know if he's going to be exploring space. It could, about, it could be just him retiring, <laughs> retiring down the allotments, planting some vegetables. <laughs> Writing his memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this year's carrots have come up a treat. <laughs> um, I'll still watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I think Patrick Stewart's just an incredibly watchable person and anything that he's in, he's just really captivating, I find. So I probably will watch it, even if it doesn't involve <laughs> space or, or exploration at all. Yeah. Or a wheelchair. <laughs> Maybe, oh, wouldn't that be a good crossover? Oh, good crossover? Jean Luc Picard was Professor X all, all along. Professor yeah. X in space. By the way, who wouldn't want to watch that? Professor X meets Jason X in space. Wow. <laughs> just writes itself. Anyway, we better get off this. <laughs> Uh, Dave, I think it's uh, your piece of news now. Yeah, from one Star Trek captain to another little bit of news. Just a little segue there. Oh, uh, that was very well done. Thank you, thank you. Um, You've not heard the news yet. (laughs) You wait, you wait. William Shatner could be about to appear in uh, the next Halloween movie. Now, it's just the producer uh, who has said that they want to get him on board, they want him to make a cameo or have a small role of some description. Uh, do you know why, Ozzy? Do you know I why? have no idea what his why. Connection, he's got, as a way of paying homage to his contribution to the Halloween franchise. Essentially, Michael Myers' mask was a Captain Kirk mask that That's they just spray-painted white and cut the eyes out of. And so, so. That's absolutely amazing. So, yeah, John Carpenter did it because he thought it looked creepy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was right, though, wasn't he? He was yeah, right, yeah. No, he, he was, was right, he did. Right. So, yeah, they're saying as a bit of a, a tribute to, to Shatner, they want to maybe get him a cameo in the next installment of the franchise, which, you know what, I think could be That'd quite be interesting. It'd be like that Spider-Man meme, you know, where Spider-Man crosses his double. Oh. <laughs> Shatner walking down the street <laughs> doing the, what is it, like from Duck Soup, the old mirror dance. <laughs> It'd be great if he just turns up out of the blue and police gun him down because he thinks it's Michael Myers. <laughs> no, Michael. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so thank you very much for that, Dave. Uh, Joel, I think it's your piece of news now. Yeah, also Star Trek. No, it's not. Segway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, segue. What's Janeway up to these days? <laughs> so, uh, c- quite weirdly, to be honest, Michael Bay is due to produce a new horror film called Meet Jimmy, which basically revolves around an evil podcast that kills its listeners. So it's based on a short film, apparently, which is which has already been premiered at the Fantasia Film Festival, and apparently, it's a, a kind of the latest in a long line of uh, films to be based on a short film, such as Lights Out, The Babadook, Mama, and Oculus. So it's a, it's interesting. We might be able to get some tips on how to kill people through a podcast. Um, so if Th- that's you... not why we're doing a podcast, <laughs> Rachel. Just to get that out there for all the well, listeners. I'm out then. I was going to say we, we have slaved for these listeners. I wonder if we're going to start bumping yeah. them off now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah. So oh, Michael Bay producing a horror film. I mean, didn't he produce the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street and also the remake of Friday the Thirteenth, which both weren't that well were received? Mm. Yeah, I was trying to be polite and dance around the subject there. He's uh, he's got a lot more money now, though, hasn't he? So. Maybe you can do a better job. Maybe they'll be like because, giant robots. And- yeah, hopefully. Every, everyone knows the more money you throw at a film, the better it gets. <laughs> yeah, Michael Bay certainly knows that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, feeling a little bit apprehensive anyway, but uh, why, why not, eh? Um, okay, so obviously Alex isn't here, or is he? Because this week <laughs> we're going to be doing film feels. 
Hello, everyone. No, seriously, no. no. Alex, when did you get here? <laughs> no, so so we, we debated whether to uh, postpone Phil Fields until um, Alex got back, but you know we decided now we're going to go power on ahead and in memory of our good buddy Alex, we're going to continue with Film Fields. So uh, I, th- I thought because I'll be hosting it this time, maybe we'll jazz it up a little bit. So hang on. <laughs> film field <laughs> hello everyone and welcome to film field it's going to be gutted that he's <laughs> that i've got a better trumpet call than he has anyway so um because we're discussing the machinist this week i thought this week's film feel could be your favorite body transformation that an actor has undergone to pour, um to prepare themselves for a role so i'll, I'll kick start mine is monster um with charlie's theron um, so uh, she, I think, added about thirty pounds uh, to her frame to prepare for the role. Uh, she went through an incredible amount of preparation as well. Um, so the thing for her is that she was very conscious that maybe there was this perception around her that she was this kind of really tall, blonde beauty, and she only did a certain type of film role. So she wanted to just smash expectations. Uh, she spent a lot of time preparing for it. She went through like agonizing um, makeup um, as well. And, you know, she kind of like shaped bits of her hair. She wanted to have the appearance of like kind of um, suffering from sunburns. Um, she, she went through all sorts basically to prepare for the role, which which kind of paid off ultimately because she did win the Oscar in the end. And I thought it was just a stunning performance, thoroughly well-deserved. So what about yourself, Dave? Uh, well, I think Robert De Niro's got to be the standout one, hasn't he, for, for Raging Bull? You know, everyone, I think that was the first instance where people remarked on how much of a transformation the actor had gone through. They basically put themselves through hell. I forget how much weight he put, it was just sprung on me. I don't know, I forget how much weight he was he gained, but it was... Uh, I think it was 63 pounds. It was significant, whatever it was. It's, it either goes one way or another, you know, you either... It's a body transformation for either getting yourself really into shape or piling on the pounds. I'd say De Niro yeah. is probably the pile on the pounds one. J.K. Simmons, didn't he get really buff for a role? Didn't he get really buff for Cable? And then not get the role of Cable. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, he was uh, he, he got really buff for Commissioner Gordon from Justice League, and then he spent the majority of the film just wearing a Big Mac. <laughs> Speaking of Big Macs, if you say, <laughs> Unbreakable. That's what De Niro ate to get on. <laughs> but also, the, uh, I'll just say the, the Unbreakable trailers also. Uh, you guys should check that out as well. Uh, Glass, uh, which is a sequel to Unbreakable, featuring Bruce Willis in a Big Mac. So you don't know why that's right. That was my weird train of thought there. But, <laughs> but check out that trailer as well. It looks interesting. We'll talk about it more later down the line. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'd say De Niro is probably the standout body transformation for me. Joel? Uh, yeah, there's one or two. I think I think uh, Chris Pratt has got to deserve a mention. He used to be thinking. quite a chubby, yeah, yeah. chubby chubster, in, uh, didn't he? Uh, chubby <laughs> chubster. Is, like in, yeah, is that the medical term, is it? Well, uh, he was it, a 60s it, pop star. He, wasn't uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know what film it was for, possibly for Guardians, where he kind of henched up a bit. And ever since then, he's just been, he's like the go-to guy now, isn't he, for, yeah. for a franchise, yeah, yeah. pretty much. But also, uh, one that I think deserves a mention is Jonah Hill, because he was like so massive. And then when he toned it down, I think it was for uh, 21 Jump Street or yep. 22 Jump Street, one of them. I mean, he did put it back on, but I think he then lost it again. But he made such a huge difference when he lost it. He kind of looked unrecognisable almost. Yeah, yeah. He, he, but I think with Jonah Hill, he, he's constantly yo-yoing in, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Austin? I, uh, when, you, when I first heard, the first thing he said, I had to wait right the way through that. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking Eddie Murphy, you know, like Nutty Professor. <laughs> then, uh, but then I remembered that was just a suit. Uh, so he didn't really do much. Yeah, I thought he did for but, that. Um, but what about um, Anne he Hathaway? He shaved years off yeah. his career for that, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, he really took one for the team <laughs> and helped to get that out. But I was thinking uh, the last next one I could think of was like Anne Hathaway. Oh yeah, you know, they miss Rob. Yeah, and she chopped all her hair off, you know, throughout the thing, and and like lost a whole lot of weight there. But but then she still did look just a lot like Anne Hathaway, what, what maybe about, more than ever. So what about you, Nicolas Cage ripping out two of his teeth for Vampire's Kiss? Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. What about that time when Nicolas Cage wore out on uh, what's his faces? Uh, he put another some, another man's face on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he peeled John Travolta's <laughs> face off his body and then went round. Like, we are good looking. <laughs> right, okay. Thank you very much for that, guys. Uh, unfortunately, we've, uh, we've got no rock news this week. No. And the reason for that being is that one of the main reasons that we do the rock news every week is to annoy Alex. And because he's not here, we feel like maybe we shouldn't do it. So we're going to move on from that. So hopefully we'll have... <laughs> Double the rock news next week anyway. So uh, moving on to the bulk of the show, as I said earlier, if you've never listened to this podcast before, where have you been? Seriously, come on, guys. But we take a film and we put it on trial. Uh, Most of the films are recommended to us by our friends and fans. And this week is no exception. This film has been recommended by our good friend Craig Harris. And he's recommended The Machinist because he says it's an underrated classic and he would love to hear our opinions on it. So he will. The roles have been picked out of the hat at random. And in the role of defence, trying to get this film placed on the hit list is our good friend Captain Dave. Hello. Hello. Thanks. Uh, in the <laughs> role of <laughs> prosecution, trying to get this film placed on the shit list, is our good friend Austin. Hello. Hello. And in the role of character witness, lending their genuine opinion about the film, trying to add a little bit of weight behind either side of the argument, is me. Hello. And that means that Joel is in Joel. the Joel is in the most important role this week. He's going to be playing the judge, and his role is to listen to all the arguments and decide which film this place, this list, this film should be placed on, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. So, without further hesitation, I think that we should give the listeners a bit of an idea as to what this film is about and spin the wheel of impressions oof okay right so it has landed on me Uh, so what we do here is we like to read out the synopsis of the film to give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what the film's about but we do it in the style of something or other that relates to the film so what how should i read out the synopsis this time around guys uh angry christian bale (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 not not just Christian Bale, just like, an angry Christian. Bale. Like somebody's just walked onto the set. <laughs> but do it, do his actual voice because his accent's not that distinctive in this one. So do oh, sh- okay, genuine Christian Bale. Right, okay. An industrial worker who hasn't slept in a year begins to doubt his own sanity. You're in my light, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Sounds like uh, Frank from EastEnders. <laughs> it's like Christian Bell's in the room. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, so, Joel, without further hesitation, would you like to kick off proceedings, please? Uh, yep, so someone who eats an apple a day for however long it was is taking shit too far for me so who, want, who wants to go first and convince well, me otherwise um, I'll go first you meant and to say just an apple a day by the way <laughs> you really just sound like anybody who's trying to live a healthy lifestyle yeah. stay away from apples <laughs> yeah, it's pissing me right off and right he should he should piss you right off and you just hold that resentment throughout the, the rest of this the rest of this episode so essentially right The Machinist is a story about a guy called Trevor Resnick that's Christian Bale's character and he's a man who hasn't slept in a year first thing if I had insomnia for a year, I would have gone to the doctors at some point. 
This guy, no, he just carries on. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to go and see some, uh, go see a hooker. She'll help me out. And I'll just go to a, a midnight cafe in, a, in an airplane, like one of those really relaxing places in a, uh, in a bloody airplane station, I was going to say. In a, uh, <laughs> we call them airports. In an airport. <laughs> but anyway, so, and the film follows him and it's dealing with the, you know, all of the effects of insomnia, like weight loss, uh, paranoia, memory loss. You know, this guy hallucinates about this larger than life fictional character called Ivan. And, uh, and he starts blaming this man for everything that's gone wrong in his life until eventually, at the end, we find out that it was just Trevor all along. And if that sounds familiar to you, that's because it is. It's essentially the same story as Fight Club. It's just a boring version of that film. Um, so, you know, The Machinist has got all the same features, except it just isn't relatable. The good thing about Fight Club is that it was a classic because it indulged the audience with familiar concepts, you know, the daily drudge of, uh, of like, the nine-to-five office job. It's uh, something that we could all relate to, or most of us can relate to. Whereas this guy, he's got a job that nobody really grasps. You know, a very small portion of of you know the population would really grasp. Um, you know, and he's got the constant striving for consumption and that generally unspoken uh, self loathing that the uh, that the consumer market like we we've, we've all got. You know, it was a well paced film and it was glossy. The Machinist has got none of that. It's a slow, boring film with a complicated. Uh, non-linear storyline and it's difficult to follow and it's hard to watch the script is close to non-existent the actors you know they do their best with what they've got there's pretty unclear direction and you know it's really hard to follow where this plot is trying to take them they do a good job but it's just it's you know they, they they're struggling with it and it's very obvious the editing is poor and what we're left with is just this overly stylized movie that probably could have been 20 minutes shorter um it felt like an art school student's project it was um, like after watching this, I totally understood Alex's arguments about Donnie Darko. Um, the way he feels about that is the way I felt about this. This film is like well and truly Emperor's New Clothes. It's like a self-aggrandizing art school bullshit, basically. Uh, there's loads of symbolization and recalls to this like fork in the road and a choice that, that he's got to make. And it's just predictable and it, and it quickly becomes tiresome. Um, I'll try and touch on a few of the references within the story um so it's like it, it tries to provoke discussion you know or, or cult status it just felt very contrived you know so it's um trevor's seen he seems to be taking enjoyment from reading dostoevsky's the idiot and like in person i couldn't see what the the, the relevance of that was because the film the only thing i could think of is the book ends with the guy in a um in, in an insane asylum and that's sort of how the film ends but that's the only thing i could see that really related them then there's like the fridge, the fridge starts bleeding. And, you know, it's like, and it's a good image. It's just, that the, what's the fucking point in it? It's just there for, for talking, you know, the, 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 there's no reason for it to be there. It just happens. Then there's this, all these heaven and hell choices that keep coming up to send this guy to salvation. I can't even, um, I just can't even muster up the enthusiasm to go into any more of them, to be honest with you. So I'm going to stop there and I'll leave you with this. There's nothing new in this film. It's not been done before and it hasn't been done better. Um, and I know we joke about how few films I've seen, but this film is essentially just a rehash of other psychological thriller storylines. I mean, for me, it was basically a mix of Fight Club and Memento, both of which I have seen, which was unfortunate for uh, <laughs> for, for this guy because I've seen the two stories he's clearly robbed it from. Okay, so. well, he said it best there, Dave, when, when Ozzy said this has been done before and he's only seen 
uh, 15 films. <laughs> what, yeah. what do you have to say to that? <laughs> and 11, 11 of them are Wes Anderson's. <laughs> I, I beg to differ. I do think this is a standout film. I mean, Ozzy says it's not glossy. It's not glossy. It was never meant to be. It's actually very bleak. I think um, I think it was Roger Ebert who called it, you know, they, they use the, they fill the, the, the imagery and the scenery with blues and greys. It's almost like it's shot through a blue filter, a bit like Sleepy Hollow was. It is so bleak. And as Roger Ebert called it, it's the power of despair the mood is just oozing through the film at you and it is just so bleak and desolate and you really feel the loneliness that uh, that trevor resnick is is experiencing and the thing about resnick is that you don't know ivan is an hallucination straight away you don't know is the 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 film hinges on the fact of is he paranoid like everyone's telling him he is or is, is, is there something to it? Is he really, are people really out to get him? And because it's done so convincingly from Trevor Resnick's point of view, you're with him on many steps of his journey. It's like you, you see it from his angle so convincingly. You are almost convinced yourself. It's like that's how you can get behind your protagonist, which is a tricky thing to do because Trevor Resnick is quite socially awkward. He's quite a weird guy, quite strange. It's, it'd be all too easy to make him unlikable. They don't. They manage to get you in his corner for the majority of the film until the end where you start to realize what the cause of this was. And that's why I say it's not trying to self-aggrandize itself. It's not trying to be anything. It's not. Unlike Donnie Darko and unlike The Tree of Life, <laughs> you, actually get, you, suck it up. <laughs> you actually get answers to almost every question that it throws you away. You do get everything answered for you, and it does explain. And there's little bits where you can have your own theories about the importance of Dostoevsky being one of them. That's up to you. You make up your own mind about that. But everything big about the film, like it's, the fridge isn't actually bleeding. It's just there's food rotting inside it because he doesn't pay his electric bill, and it's just basically rotting matter coming out of his... And it does look like blood, but that is just good imagery. But it's not actually bleeding. There's nothing paranormal or supernatural going on. And I would say this film speeds by. It does not drag for a second. For a film where you're quite right, the plot is minimal, but the script is excellent. And it brings together the way it is all shot and the characterization of Trevor Resnick brings together this film and makes it fascinating. You cannot look away. Even though you might say, yeah, if you were to map out the plot and do like a diagram of it all, yeah, not, not a great deal seems to be happening there. But for some reason, you can't look away. You are enraptured by it. You cannot stop watching it. And it's not just down to the, the, the Bale transformation, which I think we're going to go into in the, uh, the characters and actors bit in the second point. There is so much more to this film than that. And I think, you know, it's, even though Ozzy says, you know, it felt like a student project, uh, it, there was no style to it. And he's like, this is an independent film. You know, it only, it, it made its money back and then some, you know, it grossed 8 million, I think, worldwide, which may not seem like a massive figure. It did all right, but it is an independent movie. This wasn't big blockbuster fare. You know, even Christian Bale wasn't really, he was, this was before Batman. He wasn't really the heavyweight he once was. He was a known name in Hollywood, but he wasn't huge. This was an independent film. And as an independent film, I think it's really done very well. Hey, Ozzy, do you want a quick point? Or should we pass it to Gav? No, I think I was pretty convinced in my first uh, argument. To be hey, Gav, what do you think? Um, I, I'd probably agree with Dave. I'm sorry, Ozzy. Uh, I think as a... F- <laughs> Come on, it's okay, man. It's okay. <laughs> uh, as a film, I thought... Yeah, it was uh, it, the direction was really good, to be honest. I, as, as an independent film as well, not a big budget. I thought some of the cinematography was really great. I thought as well that... Um, it, it kind of it it, it created uh, a, a real feel to the film. I, I felt like it was 
everything that he was showing on the camera, I can't remember for the Life Me director, who directed it again, sorry, Dave. Uh, Brad Anderson. Brad Anderson. It was kind of replicating what Christian Bale was going through. So it started off quite kind of sheen, sheeny and glossy. And then as it went on, it kind of felt like it was like losing a lot of shine and it was becoming more bleak and more dark. And it was almost like everything that the character was going through was being replicated by the actual film itself. And I, I really enjoyed the score in it as well. I thought it just created this really unnerving, uneasy atmosphere. And uh, yeah, the performances I'll probably go to in a bit more detail. But on the whole, I thought it was it was quite Did well done. Did you think the kind of plot and the overall kind of story of the film uh, was something that had been done before with maybe a different coat on it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I think it's always going to draw similarities to previous psychological thrillers it's it's one of those whodunits you know previous, it, it, previous better psychological <laughs> thrillers uh, you know it's uh, you know it, it is debatable there, there have been many better ones come before but there's also been a lot worse ones and i think it, it's not about kind of doing the same thing it's about putting a unique slant on it which i think they did and i agree with dave that i don't think all of that was just down to christian bale's performance i think maybe if even if he wouldn't have gone through that dramatic weight loss i still think there would have been enough of a unique slant on this to make it original and if this ends up on the shit list how angry do you think christian bale would be <laughs> uh, enough to uh, berate somebody for 20 minutes uninterrupted <laughs> <laughs> did you remember that time you got in his light joel <laughs> he's going to be like that alright Dave over to you for your next point ok for the second point I think Ozzy and I are going to talk about the cast and the characters now your standout character in this is Trevor Resnick played by Christian Bale and there's a lot more to it like I said with uh, just before you say the machinist to someone the first thing they think of is Christian Bale's dramatic weight loss that is the first thing that jumps into your mind there is so much more to this performance than just that yes that is very striking and all in all I think we were all <laughs> inclined to agree quite unnecessary I think we're all in the same boat about <laughs> character actors or method actors sorry where you just kind of roll your eyes for a bit and it's like oh okay I don't mind it so much as long as the result they get is worth it you know if it was as long as they they suffered for a good film at the end of the day and and Christian Bale in fairness to him did put his heart and soul into a good film. You know, it wasn't wasted time. As long as that helped him deliver the performance he delivered, okay, you're over to you, Christian. And it is a solid performance from him. It is fantastic. He really does go through all the motions. Like I said, to make this character likable, which is, is no easy task because he is so strange in his, in his mannerisms, so strange in the way he interacts with people. It's, it'd be so easy to get on the bad side of his character and think, you know what? I don't care about this protagonist at all. I'm not interested. I don't care about his story. You don't, you do care for him. You are rooting for him to a degree. And especially as his paranoia, paranoia sort of starts to spiral and just gets out of control, you're still kind of in his corner and thinking like, like, i'm not keen on the way you're behaving but i understand why you're getting so desperate i understand why your character is coming this way and even at the final moment where it's kind of like you realize the terrible thing he did that caused his paranoia that caused this kind of like emotional just breakdown you're still thinking you know what the guy's gone through hell you know the reason why he behaved this way i was out of guilt he repressed the memory of a guilty th of, of something terrible he did and it's the guilt that has eaten away at him and caused this paranoia and caused, caused this weight loss and it's almost like you know what he was a decent person at one point he was a decent man to feel that guilt to actually care that much to, to destroy his life and eat away at him almost literally there was a decent man in here and you do feel a real connection with his protagonist in spite of all that he does and i just want to talk quickly about the supporting cast now the supporting cast is fairly minimal. And the reason why, you know, some people might say, oh, they're underused, they're barely in it. There's a reason for that. And that is that 
one of the big things about Trevor Resnick's character is that he is lonely. You know, that's said to him at various points by various hallucinations and his loneliness is not to be underestimated. He is isolated. He is lonely. If he was interacting constantly with other characters, then you wouldn't really get the element, you wouldn't get the feel of that loneliness. And similarly, if they were having conversations about him or other scenes with other characters where he's not there, you'd feel taken out of his loop for a bit. You know, you're in his world, you're in his paranoid kind of reality and you can't look away from Trevor for a second, otherwise that will break. So it's a very good reason. But out of that supporting cast, which I admit are few and far between, but they are solid. Michael Ironside, I think, actually gives a great performance here as Miller. He's one of uh, Trevor's uh, co-workers, and yes, he does lose a limb. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. In connection to a previous quiz we had about Michael Ironside losing various body parts, I think. Um, What limb does he lose? He loses his left arm. Left arm. arm, It is his left. Left It is his left arm. He loves losing his left arm. (laughs) Always got to be the left arm. Hey, I'm not doing this piece of shit filming. (laughs) Unless I lose a limb, (laughs) goddammit. But he gives a really good performance. I think his standout moment is when uh, Christian Bale, in the height of his paranoia, thinks Michael Ironside is in some way involved in all the bad things that are happening to him, goes to visit him at at his home. And there's this great bit where he turns and he's screaming at Michael Ironside. You know, I know you're behind it. I know you did this. And this is the man who just cost him his arm. You think, what is he going to do? And he just laughs. You can see he's angry. You can see he's furious. But rather, and punch him rather than make a scene he just kind of laughs like what are you talking about and then when Christian Bale puts his hand on him he turns around socks him one in the gut you know it, it's a frightening performance from my side but the most frightening of all is Ivan played by John Sharian who is uh, an actor I'm not really familiar with I don't really know anything he's done aside from this but that opening scene where you just see him from a distance in the car then Christian Bale turns back into his car and you just hear hey I'm Ivan and he turns over and he's just framed by this bleak skyline around him this sinister grin on his face I mean John Sharian is a creepy looking guy. That's all I'll say. It really does give you this sense of, of discomfort looking at him. You know, he is really quite a frightening guy, very intimidating guy as well. And I think there's other people in the cast as well. Reggie Cathay, the late Reggie Cathay, who plays Jones, another co-worker, Lawrence Gilliard, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is Stevie. I think there's a number of people in here who really do give solid performances. They are not overused. They're not in it that much, but I think that really does enhance the, uh, the affiliation you feel with Trevor Resnick. Yeah, you've been sat there patiently, Ozzy, but also chomping at the bit, I can tell, so over to you. I was just to get a bit worried because it felt as though we had actual total opposite sides of the uh, of the argument. It's almost as though Dave may have seen what I was about to say and shot everything down immediately. So. <laughs> I, have, I have not, but I'm delighted to know I could have done so. Um... I'm just gonna, I'm going to read it out, go for it, and then try and try and think of this. And if I uh, reach a point where I think Dave's already dealt with it, I'm going to try and expand upon it because for me, other than Christian Bale, and he does put in a good performance, a really good performance. I w- will not doubt that. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure whether it was because he went on this medically ill-advised, crazy diet. You know, because it is incredibly striking. You know, he's lost like is it four and a half stone or something? It was Super something like that. that. It was an horrific amount. You know, yeah. and you've got to commend a man for that sort of dedication. And I think it it comes across. You know, it really does hammer home that emaciated feel of the character. But but you get that in the first few scenes, you know, that's that's dealt with and then it gets brought up again and again and again. And I can't remember how many times it's said, but it must be three or four times this whole, if you were thinner, you, you wouldn't exist. And it's like, oh, fuck off, stop telling me what I can see. You know, and I hate that in a film when they do that. So that, that frustrated me a little bit, but that doesn't take anything away from his acting. I think he was very good. But everybody else, you know, and Dave's mentioned it, that, you know, they're, they're not in it because the film isn't about them. But... They don't enhance the film in, in any way, you know, for a lot of it. They, they might as well not be there. Um, for, they just, 
they just went on, you know, let me go back to it, sorry. So Christine Bale, he does a good job, but everyone else, not so much. You know, there's barely anything remarkable to say about the other actors. I don't think anybody did a bad job. I just think they just did a job. You know, and it was like, they've just come in, I've only got a few lines to say, I'm in, I'm out gone you know she said. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> if child. only <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> but you know cause, so for me it's like Bale's physique distracts you from everybody else's performance in the in these roles you know they're just there you know so and i think it, it's a real shame that he went down you know he went that far because other than it could have been really really impressive but i just think that really lets it down it takes you out of the story you know the film isn't engaging enough for you to forget that this man you know who and, and I I saw this after seeing Batman, so it's quite uh, it's quite difficult to get behind the character because you know that oh this skinny bloke this is the same guy who was Batman oh what did he put himself through to do that you know it's just really um, I don't know it just dis- makes you disengage and it's hard to to get through that you know he's put through you know outrageous physical trauma to play this role so you're just taking out the story and and it reminds you again and again of somehow slowing. And boring it is because he's the only character to get behind, you know. And, and and I won't doubt that what Dave's saying there is that you do get behind him, and he could easily have been unlikable. He does a very good job, but it's just you you constantly brought out the story, and I find that quite that's quite frustrating. Okay, Gav, whose side do you do you lie on here? Um, I can definitely see what Ozzy's talking about. Uh, I think it is a bit annoying that you've got this tremendous physical transformation that's occurred on screen and you can see that for yourself, but it's constantly highlighted. You know, it's constantly like, oh, hey, we've got to remind people that this has happened, but you can see it for yourself. But also, I think in real life, that would happen. You know, if one of your friends or your coworkers suddenly lost a hell of a lot of weight and looked like shit and coming up to work, <laughs> you wouldn't be like, Oh, you done something different with your hair, Joel. <laughs> you kind of, you'd be like, Oh man, are you okay? I mean, you look like you've lost a hell of a lot of weight recently. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 besides that, I will agree with Dave, to be honest. I think the supporting performances were tremendous. I really like, I think Jennifer Jason Lee is incredible, to be honest. I think she was great in this. Uh, Michael Ironside, obviously, Lewis and Lim equals top quality film. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a straight eight. It is. And I think Bale... I think this is one of his finest performances, and I think it's it's been criminally underlooked this performance because I think it's definitely one of his best ones. I think not just the physical transformation that he put himself under, but his emotional range that he goes through in this film is really incredible. And obviously the big reveal at the end and when you see the reason that he's lost so much weight and the reason that he's been suffering from insomnia and that sort of like acceptance right at the end where he's like, I can finally sleep. The guilt has been lifted. Well, not not, not lifted, but he's finally admitted to his crimes. I think that that one scene right at the very end, it's really, really powerful. And I, th- I think he deserves more plaudits for it, to be honest. Okay, thanks for that. Well, I've got a, a little bit to be mulling over. I think you both did uh, very good jobs. So, Gav, I presume you've got a quiz for us? I'd like to finish with a closing statement, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be my little uh, bit that convinces you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm going first. So, in short, mate, the machinist seems to be Brad Anderson's attempt to make like a Lynchian psychological thriller. And it's just something he's put together to get a little A in his homework and impress the emo kids who smoke by the bike shed smoke you know they're over there that's all he's done he's tried to make a cool film that's 
and he's done his very best to make a cool film. It's all dark. It's uh, it's moody, but it's slow and it's boring and it's littered with just obvious symbolisation so that the film, uh, you know, looks more profound than it really is. It's just predictable and tedious. It takes itself so seriously throughout. And just like Trevor Resnick's physique, this movie has got no meat on its bones. <laughs> quite frankly, we've seen it all before. Oh, cutting. It's like a rap battle. <laughs> <laughs> Took me ages to come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Those sleepless nights are well spent, mate. That's all I've been doing, coffees. Coffee. Just eating coffee. one apple a day. One apple, coffee, coffee occasional one whiskey. slice of a, of a piece of pie. <laughs> all right, Dave, over to you. Okay. This film has got a lot more to it than it would seem. It is not just to be remembered for Christian Bale's striking appearance in this. There is so much more to it from Bale himself and from the director and from everything else. The writer, uh, Scott Cassar, normally does horror movies and this is no horror movie, but it has the elements of it. It is so bleak. It is so oppressing. It is so in your face and it's just it just drags you into this mood that just seems to punctuate through the screen right at you. It is very powerful and is not to be understated. This film... Bleakness and all is very watchable and very compelling. Boom. Well, <laughs> I take it you need to think about you know, what you've uh, written down there, Joel, and before you make your decision as to which list the film's going to be placed on. So while you're doing that, I thought we could have a little bit of a quiz. And uh, so. Obviously, one of the main talking points here is how much weight Christian Bale has lost. It was obviously our film feel as well about body transformations. So I was thinking we could do a little bit of a quiz on actors and actresses who have transformed their body for a role in a quiz I like to call Transformers More Than Eating Pies. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, right... Uh, I'll see because uh, if you two combined we'd have amazing quizzes and great titles there's nothing wrong with my titles there's nothing wrong with my quizzes <laughs> actually saying that no I have received a lot of plaudits recently for Dave for all of his quizzes recently uh, so we've had a number of kind of comments recently about how good they've been and that's got me worried a little bit because I haven't done a quiz in a while actually uh, so I do need to think I need to up my game drastically so instead of giving you the old tired higher or lower true or false sort of thing the these are going to be actual pointed questions and to, to make it a bit, some of them are a bit difficult, some of them are a bit easy. So to make it uh, difficult, I think we're going to start off with Dave, you pick a number between one and four. Uh, three. Three. Okay. Talking about Chris Pratt that Joel mentioned earlier. Uh, Pratt auditioned for Guardians of the Galaxy whilst he was appearing in Parks and Recreation. He lost £60 in six months to get in shape to play Star-Lord. But what reason did they provide in Parks and Recreation for Andy Dwyer's dramatic weight loss? I'm not up to that bit yet. I've been watching Parks and Rec as well. Um, I'm going to say, is it because he moved to London? Uh, He did move to London, but the actual answer that they gave was that he just cut out beer. They were just like, oh, Andy, you look great. (laughs) Uh, He's like, yeah, I've lost 60 pounds. Been eating apples. (laughs) (laughs) Been eating one apple a day. Uh, Lose the beer, moved on to whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so so no, you didn't get that one right. Sorry, Dave. Okay, uh, Joel, number between one and four, not three, obviously. A three. No, uh, one, please. (laughs) One, okay. So talking about Christian Bale and the machinist, Bale went from 173 pounds to 110 pounds, losing an incredible 63 pounds in preparation for this role. As if that wasn't impressive enough, Bale then piled on the muscle by adding 121 additional pounds to prepare for his next role, which was what? 
What's it, Batman? Oh, shit, sorry. Aussie. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just put him before he comes up with an answer? Yeah, go on. Yeah, you've done it, right. So Chris you, Pratt. He was taking... Go on, go on what? So Chris Pratt lost £60. Pounds yeah. Yeah. To get... Uh, to become Star-Lord. Fantastic. This guy, Christian Bale, loses £63 pounds and everybody goes, man, oh... It's only three Pat more pounds. Was pretty big. Yeah, though, wasn't Chris he? Pat was heavier. And Don't fat shame that man. He was very. <laughs> <laughs> but he also turned his, his body into muscle, uh, whereas Christian Bale w- wasn't that. Just... Yeah, wasn't that um, heavy to begin with, and went down to a, essentially a skeleton. Well, you, yeah, yeah, skeleton. Skeleton. So, <laughs> so, uh, it sounds like it was Batman. Yeah, it was Batman, uh, to be fair. I'll give you that one. I thought it, it was too obvious, but obviously it wasn't. No, well, I thought I said it in my argument. But any, but any, I, I thought I said it in mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what, guys? Shut up. Right, right for that, I'll see right, uh, between one and four. One. Uh, okay, good. Because I've just realised I should have been between one and three. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to do the four? Uh, actually, uh, the only Dave number left... have this quiz under control by now. <laughs> the only number left is two. So, okay. Uh, talking about... Uh, shut up. It doesn't matter. Uh, Chris Helmsworth, he gained £20 to play the Norse god Thor in the film Thor. But in which film did he lose £33 in four weeks to prepare for? Oh... Anybody know this one? Is it the uh, Moby Dick one? Whatever it's called. Heart of the Sea. Heart of the Sea. Yeah, well done, Dave. You got That's it right. right. I think we can share that point, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'll right. have that. You can have that instead of my Batman. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, so, um, okay. So, I'm going to say, Austin, pick a number between four and six. Six. Okay. Um, Renee Zellweger. Renee Zellweger gained £20 for her role in Bridget Jones's Diary and won critical and fan acclaim for her performance along the way. But what was the criticism Zellweger faced when reprising the role for the third and, and well, I was going to say final, I should say latest time? Is it that she lost weight again? Or, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's to do with her weight though, isn't it? Is it to do with yo-yoing or something? I, I will give you that point. It's oh, Dave. You look like you know. No, no. If it's to do with weight, no, I've no it's idea. It's because it, she didn't add um, uh, the weight this time round. Oh, so okay, fans okay. said that it wasn't true to the character, where she'd added thirty pounds for each time she played yeah, it beforehand. Okay. She just chose not to add the weight this time round. Uh, okay, so um, she can't win, can she? <laughs> uh, Joel, uh, five or four? Uh, f- five. Okay, Anne Hathaway. Um, Anne Hathaway added... Uh, oh, sorry, no, she didn't. She lost uh, £10 to her frame when she was uh, playing uh, the role in Les Mis Rob. And, oh no, I'm lying to you. Sorry, I've just haven't written this question down properly. <laughs> so she lost a considerable amount of weight for her role in Les Mis Rob. But which film was she asked to add £10 to, which she then did, but then was subsequently told to lose it again because they wanted to go with a fat suit instead? Ooh. When I say fat suit, it's probably fat, uh, suit, it's yeah, just a little bit of padding for some certain scenes. Um, I don't Any, know to be honest so with you. No, anybody? So it was after Les Mis. No, no, I've no idea. No idea. The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, I was going to say that as well. I read something about it before, but she's not that big in that, is she? No, but she's wearing a fat suit, so imagine how skinny she actually <laughs> Maybe she borrowed it from Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so Dave, that just leaves you with question number four, Charlie's Theron. Uh, Theron gave £33 um, to play the notorious sex worker turned killer Eileen, I've forgotten her second name now. Vernos. Vernos, that's it, yeah. The film's director, Patty Jenkins, said that she knew Theron was perfect for the role after watching her in which film? 
Yeah, I'm not going to say it's waking up in Reno. <laughs> um, I don't know, Shelley's right. It, it, the Italian job? No. I'm trying to think of whatever she did before Monster. It was sure. the devil's advocate. Damn. So uh, uh, Patty Jenkins said that there's a scene in it where she breaks down crying and she's just streaming from her eyes and her nose and it's all over her face. And Patty Jenkins said, you know, for somebody that beautiful to look just that kind of like, all just goop on their face and everything and not have the like instinct to just wipe it off. She's like, yeah, that's, that's the actress for me. Okay, uh, guys, next one. Right, um, Dave, pick a number between seven and nine. Eight. Eight. Okay, Robert De Niro, well done. Uh, just like your news before. Okay. okay, so a tour de force of body transformation. Robert De Niro spends much of Raging Bull maintaining the body type of a boxing contender, only to drastically pile on the pounds to depict an older, overweight Jake LaMotta in later stages of the film. De Niro added 60 pounds to his frame, which was a record uh, for weight gain by an actor for a role at that time. But he lost that title seven years later in 1986 to which actor? 1986. Sorry, 1987. 1987. Are these, are these hard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it really works, yeah. Um when did Copland come out? Not Stallone. Nineteen ninety-seven. No, uh, it's definitely not Stallone. Then, um, no, I've no idea. All right, it was Vincent D'Onofrio for Full Metal Jacket. Shit. Uh, okay, Joel seven or nine? Nine. Nine. Okay, Matt Damon, Courage Under Fire. Damon lost a massive sixty pounds in a short period of time to prepare for his role in Courage Under Fire. But in which film did Damon gain thirty pounds to prepare for because he thought the character needed to be a bit doughy? Um, Naughty's film. Naughty's film. No, but I'm going to move on. Don't think so. The informant. No, I wouldn't have got it. Which means, Ozzy, you've got the last one here. Go for it. Matthew McConaughey. You lost £38 to play. Um, all right, a, all right. All right, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> uh, to play his character in the film Dallas Bias Club. Uh, but which film marked the first time he'd ever gained weight for a role without adding muscle mass? Oh. Don't know. Anybody? Is no? it the one where he shows his arsehole? It's not the one where he shows his bum all. No. <laughs> I would have expected him to put a lot of muscle on for that, to be fair. No, it was no, gold. Oh, okay. Right, I do have another three questions, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tried to make it a bit more difficult, but maybe I just kind of overshot the barrier there a little bit. Uh, no, some are good, some are hard. So that's, over, yeah, that's, that's a good way. Yeah. We, we got some right, Okay, right, okay. Please uh, send your comments to at Film Trials to let me know how well this quiz did or didn't he go down. shit. <laughs> Anyway, Joel, without further hesitation, would you like to wrap things up, please? Uh, yeah, so I have seen the film, although it was a long time ago, and to be honest, I cannot remember pretty much anything about it. So I don't know if, if that's good or bad, but I think both people made some very good points, particularly with Dave. I did like how he said, yeah, there aren't many other good characters, but that's kind of uh, you know how you meant to, to view the film in that it kind of signifies his loneliness. Uh, but then I thought Austin's kind of counter to that was great in that the, the secondary characters may as well not be there. I thought that was uh, really interesting, especially when I'd kind of already made up my mind to, to side with Dave on that point. <laughs> One thing I do want to mention is kind of the, the weight loss. And to me, I, I kind of verge on the side that it's completely ridiculous. I think it sets like a really bad example, especially to to kind of budding actors or whatever or actresses that are kind of coming up in the industry and to lose that amount of weight which must be as austin said like medically 
you know, kind of really ill-advised, I think is just completely ridiculous. I mean, there's getting into the role and then there's just putting your whole kind of life at risk, which is apparently what he did. So, you know, I, I don't really like that part of it. But then I do think he deserves a bit of credit because if I was eating an apple a day, I would be... I would literally probably go mad and not just be able to hold my shit and remember all my lines and that type of thing. <laughs> so he's perpetually angry now, though. Yeah, it's... that's that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like if Gav stopped eating, that would be. That I think I'm be, halfway uh, there, to be honest. Like. <laughs> that would be what happened. But overall, you know, I think the points for were a little bit more fleshed out than the points than the points again. So it's going to go on the on the shit list. Uh, I mean, on the hit list, sorry. Um, and that's mainly because Dave, Dave kind of sold it to me in that I want to watch it again. Well done, Dave. Well done. Uh, yeah, uh, good points as well, Joel. Um, wrapping it up there, you know, I do think it kind of does set a bit of a bad example to people coming up into uh, Hollywood. Uh, um, but, you know, you can't argue that it was a good performance. But would it have been a good performance without the weight loss? Probably, yeah. So you've got to ask yourself, was it really that relevant or necessary? Anyway, that's a question for another episode. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, let's do a bit of higher or lower, higher or lower than our previous episode, which was Hacksaw Ridge, which scored, before you say anything, 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Higher or lower? I don't know. I'm going to go with lower. Higher. I think higher as well. Well, you're both wrong. Joel, you're right. It is lower. 7.7 out of 10. Can you believe that? Uh, So before we wrap things up here, it's time for a little caption contest. So what we do is we take a screenshot of the film and we put it on Twitter and we ask all of our friends and followers to provide a caption to it. This week, I've taken a picture of uh, Christian Bale. It's after he's um, just spent the night with Jennifer Jason Leigh and she comments on his weight and he decides to suck his stomach even more and kind of walk around with his cheeks sucked in as well um, to make himself look even skinnier than he was. And I've asked our friends and followers to provide a caption. The winner, as decided by you guys, will uh, give your uh yeah sorry i've just remembered i've realized i've, I've, I've forgotten something but austin's uh, reminded me we'll go back to that in a minute the winner will get a nice chocolatey treat frog shaped chocolatey treat i might add so anyway guys all right the first one here want to go from this to batman be like me and get them brains okay uh thank you uh number two I imagine it's supposed to go like this. I'm bony, 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 bony. <laughs> okay, uh, number three, Hollywood producer. I like his energy, but I still think he's too fat for the role. <laughs> uh, next one, I don't know if this is a comment or just a question. Why is Christian Bale such a tryhard? <laughs> uh, next one, does my bum look big in this? Uh, next one, I don't know. Uh, okay, so, oh no, the Velociraptor is here. And then they kind of go off on a bit of a tangent. Christian, you make a perfect raptor. Jurassic Park, who doesn't remember the scary kitchen scene? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're right. <laughs> they are right, yeah. Uh, next one, this just in. Recently discovered audition of Christian Bale for an after-school special on anorexia. anorexia. Warning, not for the faint of heart. Ooh, right, okay. Probably should have vetted <laughs> some of these beforehand. Uh, here's one, uh, uh, bok 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 look I'm a chicken I should probably done that bok 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 are you over duck face try suck face uh, next one King Kong ain't got nothing on me uh, the next one the Joker just can't learn proper jazz hands technique I've uh, got one here I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts um, 
Okay, I imagine this one's supposed to be delivered like this. Hey, Tom Hanks, it's effing distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the effing scene. I don't care how much weight you've lost for Castaway. <laughs> Give me an effing answer. Jared Leo, you think your method for Dallas Buyers Club? What don't you get about it? <laughs> that was like probably that. better than your impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, better as the episode goes uh, on. Just a few more here, guys. Victoria Beckham's dare- daring makeup free photo shoot. Oh, Ooh. The live action re- Reboot of Pinocchio fails to get its PG certificate. <laughs> I'm a little teapot short and stout. Uh, next one. Who needs a xylophone? Hey. <laughs> uh, but ultimate one here is Trevor hasn't quite perfected his Joe Cocker impression. And the last one here is Bruce Wayne's first idea for Batman wasn't the best. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, you're too fat for the role. Yeah, oh. I did like that producer. Yeah. I was going to go bony, bony, bony. Right, I'm sorry. Uh, two to one, I'm sorry. Well done to uh, Lucy Cool. Cool by name, cool by nature. You've just won yourself a nice Freddo. So uh, Austin did point out to me that I had forgotten to ask people's genuine opinions about the film, which is sort of like one of the big things about this episode, uh, about this podcast. <laughs> so sorry for that, guys. Right. Uh, so Dave, your genuine opinion, did you love it as much as you said you did? It was all right. It was okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think the performances were good. I thought it was really well shot. Um, didn't grab me. I'm not, it's not a film I'm particularly passionate about. I wouldn't really have been too fussed either way which way this had gone. But uh, I, I think Joel's made the right call. I think it is, it's good enough for the hit list. Okay, and Austin? I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good film and probably quite underrated. Like, I felt bad for saying all those bad things about it. Aww. It's, it's quite a good film. Don't worry, Christian Bale won't be too angry. I'm sure he's not. You won't <laughs> sleep for a year now you said <laughs> <Yeah>. those things. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Brucey on it for a second and just yeah. like, so fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so okay thank you very much guys uh, for the good trial there uh, well done uh, before we close things off just to say that we have pulled the next film out of the hat at random and the next film that we are going to review is um, Romeo and Juliet by oh, Baz Luhrmann okay. so uh, usually as I said before our films are um, chosen by our friends or followers uh, but sometimes we like to put in a few suggestions ourselves so this is one that Alex has suggested and because hey! hello <laughs> and because he has suggested it himself he is going to defend it uh, but we picked the other roles out of the hat at random so in the role of prosecutor it's going to be Joel in the role of character witnesses it's going to be Dave and Ozzy and that means I am going to judge it so look forward to listening to that one um just before we go uh we wanted to talk a little bit about our fellow podcasters from podcasting societies uh, so we've been experimenting recently and putting a few promos into our episodes but instead we thought we'd have a little segment in which we talk about decent podcasts that we've listened to recently so i just wanted to talk about one that i've been listening to quite a lot dare daniel podcast you can catch them on twitter dare daniel podcast uh, they are very good they're quite similar to us in a way that they review films but the worst type of films essentially whereas we <laughs> pick a few good ones every now and again they just have the scrape of the barrel stuff often recommended to them by listeners and friends and fans uh, so they just do the worst type of films that you would imagine no, I've, I've listened to a few episodes of those as well. I think it's really, uh, it's really entertaining. So it's like one proper film reviewer, isn't it? And a, like a comedian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so there's a film reviewer from the Sacramento Sun, I think, and uh, that's uh, Daniel. And then there's Corky, who's a comedian, and they yeah. both just have a bit of a chat 
just get basically retelling the, the story and just having a laugh along the way but it's really really fun if you do like our show i'd highly recommend checking out their show as well uh, and just, just i think it's time to say goodbye to everyone but before you go i uh, just to point you in the direction of our twitter page at film trials why not check us out there why not recommend a film for us to put on the hat and we will get round to reviewing it whilst you're there why not check out our friends and collaborators winston sang and austin ray that's our graphic designer the guy who presents uh, all of the pictures that we get each week and our music producer here that's at the underscore quirks and at aussie ray respectively also why not check us out on all the other types of social media facebook instagram and youtube and if you want to listen to our future content why not check us out on any podcasting platform that's itunes uh, spotify and every other one or on our website filmsontrial.co.uk so just to say thank you very much to everybody who has listened to this episode we will be in your ears next time round with whatever i've just said romeo and juliet apparently <laughs> thank you very much everyone goodbye <laughs>